That is a great movie, if you haven't seen it. It's Coach Carter. And uh, take it from the true story of the real man, Coach Carter. And uh, it illustrates, doesn't it, how, how painful failure or loss can be? I'll never forget, it wasn't in this building, but it was in Renaissance, I don't know, a year or so ago. I made the comment at one time about, I had been to a basketball game and taught, knew some of the kids and so forth, and they lost in a last-second shot. And I was trying to comfort one of the kids. probably wasn't a good idea. I should have just gotten out of there. But I said something to one of them like, when you get to be my age, some of those shots probably won't mean as much to you as they do now, which probably wasn't the right thing to say, but that's another story. But, but, but I, got, I got hammered. Uh, before I got off the, it wasn't, we weren't here, before I got from being up front, I was met by the time I got just to the aisle by three or four different guys and uh, who said, I'm almost your age and I still remember the shot that I missed at such and such game and it still hurts <laughs> just as much as it did then. And uh, it's, it's, it's funny, isn't it? Funny, peculiar at least, how sometimes we can think of those defeats that can just tear us apart. But you know, basketball is one thing, and tennis and golf. I remember one time I played in this, and I was in this match play golf tournament, and um, it, it was really it, we we came down to the last hole, and we had for us to we had to win that hole. My partner and I had to win that hole in order for us to get into the playoff, which is a big deal in a golf tournament. And uh, we were in Arizona, and, and we traveled there to, to play in this golf tournament. And, and it came down to one last hole. All I had to do, all I had to do was hit the stinking green, and I knew I could two-putt. All I had to do. I did not hit the green. I did not get up and down. I basically, not basically, I lost. I lost the tournament for my partner and I. And it killed me. The next week, I had to go to a conference. It was a counseling conference. And this was like on Saturday night. Back in those days, not that I would ever do this now, but back in those days, I would take a late red-eye flight to get back in time for Sunday morning because I was playing in a golf tournament. But, um, which to me is perfect priorities, but some of you may not, may not agree with that. The next, so that was, so, so I went, had church Sunday morning, I spoke and did, did my thing and all that, and then Sunday afternoon I had to leave for a conference that I was just supposed to be a part of, and the conference was a, as a sort of a, a Christian, quote unquote, Christian counseling conference and so forth, and we had small groups. So Sunday night, I'm in this small group, uh, with other people, some ministry, my, some who are pastors, some who are not, and, uh, I told my story, and I was like, man, I'm, I'm bumming today, folks, I'm really having a hard time, I lost, I lost the stinking golf tournament for me and my buddy last night in, in, in Scottsdale, Arizona. And I'm still, and I went through the whole thing in, in just painful detail. And, um, and I got through, and this lady started talking. And she talked about losing her husband that year. She talked about her son being in prison. And you know what I'm thinking, I'm thinking... I'm talking about a stupid game that meant a lot to me. And she's dealing with real life issues. It was a lesson I'll never forget. And it was defeat. And here's my point, folks. Defeat comes in many, many ways. And the way I'm going to talk about it this morning, because I want to include everybody in this, and because some of you may not have had a recent failure. I mean, you probably, many, most of us don't have to think 
back very far to think of a time when we were a part of a failure or that we completed that thing. So when I talk about failure this morning, let me give you my definition of of how I'm talking about it. This isn't the, the dictionary definition, I realize that. But here's how I'm referring to it. I'm talking about failure, certainly, where I do something that causes me to fail. Maybe, maybe I did something in business that really cost us a big deal. Maybe I, I did something to my mate that hurt her or him terribly. Maybe I did the ultimate. Maybe I, maybe I had an affair. That's, that's certainly failure. Maybe it goes a little different than that. Maybe you've been through something with your family that, that really wasn't your fault at all. Maybe it was the business that you were in or, or the, the industry or, or somebody else did this or did that. Maybe you were a part of one of these companies that, uh, the, the CEO did some, some un, well, illegal things. And your, your pension's totally gone. Your money's totally, and it wasn't your fault, but it's a failure. Somebody's failure. And you gotta deal with that. Maybe it's another kind of failure. And this is where I'm using a very broad term, and please understand that. Maybe it's the kind of thing that was just a tragedy that happened in your life, and it wasn't your fault, and it wasn't anybody close to you. Maybe it wasn't their fault, but it was still, it was still, quote unquote, a failure of life. I remember vividly, um, one of one of Stephanie's teammates in high school, and and how um, she was just thought we thought she was just the happiest girl in the world, and and how she went out as like a sophomore or a junior, and and basically killed herself, went out into the woods and just stayed there overnight. Um, and we're talking in Vail, we're talking in the wintertime, and uh, and and how hard that was, and we knew the family and and the difficulty and the tragedy and the, the failure they felt. And what happens so many times, and I had a good friend, same type of thing in, in Vail, where they lost a baby, and they, this is not at all, this was not unusual at the time, still isn't in some parts of, of the, of Colorado, particularly where we lived, but they were like 45 minutes from a nearest medical facility, and the baby got sick, and they couldn't get there in time, and the baby died. They end up blaming each other, of course. Which ended up, of course, in divorce, and, and on all the other things. You say, is that somebody's failure? Well, it's failure. We don't have to blame somebody. It's an issue. It's a problem. So when I talk about learning from failure, I'm talking about in the broad sense of the term. Maybe it's your fault. Maybe it's their fault. Maybe it's just life. But you still have to deal with it. That's how I want to talk about this whole subject. And, and, uh, and don't get worried. My introduction is a lot longer than my, than my talk. So just, just hang with me, okay? Um, but it's, it's an important issue because... There are just so many different ways. And these kinds of failures, they may be your fault, somebody else's fault, or just the, the bad breaks of life. But what do we do with them? Oftentimes, we, 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 we start isolating. We start fearing. We start hiding. We start denying. We start blaming. Then we become self-delusional. And, we are, and we're not being self-aware of, of who we are in this whole thing and, and how this happened and, and what happened. What am I going to do with this? You know, the self-awareness is, and, and this is really part of the, I, I debated um, as I was reworking this whole thing, whether to just change the t- title of being self-aware and, and, and dealing with defeat because of that or, or the way, you, and, and I could have done that or made some kind of a, some kind of a, a cute name for it or whatever. But, but there is a great lack of being self-aware in this world. And one of the, one of my jobs as a minister, oftentimes, is to help men and women. Um, I end up more with men than women, but but and that's fine. 
but to help people become more self-aware of who they are and what they are. I'm not a psychologist or anything like that. That's not necessarily what I'm talking about, although sometimes it might involve that, certainly. Not with me, but with, with somebody who truly is a professional in that area and in and, and psychology and so forth. Sometimes that certainly helped me. I will be the first to admit that. But there's a, there's a real lack of self-awareness, you know, in, in, for so many of us. Who we think we are and, and who we are really is often very, oftentimes very different. I had, a, I had one of those experiences not too long ago, the other day. Um, and some of you know this, but, but I run. Okay, what I do is I walk to the high school. I live in Short Hills, and it's about a mile from Milburn High School. I walk down, then I run three miles of sprints, and I walk back so for, to kind of cool down. And those three miles of sprints on the track, I do a couple things that just kind of reflecting back to my high school years on the track, which was when you're on the track and it's a hot day, you take off your shirt. That's just what you do, okay? Um, and I wouldn't normally do that. It's, you know, other places, I don't run down the street like that, just because of, you know, my fans may see me or something, but, but I don't know. But anyway, I just don't do it. But on the track, I do that. So the other day I'm doing that. It's the heat of the day where I, when I like to run. And, uh, and I did that. And all of us, and, and oftentimes, especially right now, a lot of the high school kids are there, 16-, 17-year-old kids, because they're getting ready for football or, or, or whatever. Some of the cross-country team uh, are running and so forth. And, of course, they're always like you do when you're doing this. They're always running out there without their shirts on. And I, I just kind of have gotten this impression I'm just one of them. Because it just seems like it wasn't very long ago that I was doing the same thing. It just seems like yesterday um, that I was doing the same thing. So all of a sudden, some old fat guy comes out there, and he takes off his shirt and just starts walking. And I'm thinking, how disgusting is that? I mean, this is just disgusting. And, and I just go ahead and I, I, run the, I run the straightaways and walk the corners, and I do about three miles of that. So I did my thing for about 45 minutes or so. And, uh, and I was walking over, I got my shirt, and I was walking around behind the high school so I could, you know, kind of fix myself up before I went out in the street and saw all the public. But, um, and as I was doing that, I walked by some windows. And it was a sunny day, and it was reflecting the, you know, like a mirror. And I was walking like this, kind of wiping my sweat off my face. Then I stopped, you know, and I kind of backed up a little bit. And I saw myself. And I looked again. And I kind of looked down like this. And all of a sudden I realized I'm not one of those 16-year-old high school kids. And as hard as I run and as little as I eat, there's still a little something there. And, and it was like a self-awareness moment. It really was. And I quickly put on my shirt and took off. But, but um, sometimes... Figuratively speaking, we need to get in front of that mirror without our shirts on, if you know what I mean, and be very honest. This is who I am. It's a lot easier to do physically than it is emotionally. A lot easier. Well, I, I take that back. Sometimes it's pretty painful physically, but, but it is very difficult emotionally. And that's really these things that I want to talk about in terms of being self-aware, seeing ourselves for who we really are. And here's what I want you to see. As you come to grips with that, I, I, let me, let me, I'm, this is going to be on the website uh, this afternoon, I hope, certainly later today, if not sooner. Uh, there's a prayer that we need to pray. I don't have it for you on PowerPoint. It's going to be on the website in Afterthoughts. Um, does it still say Afterthoughts, Steve? Uh, still say Afterthoughts? Okay. Uh, it's going to be changing to Action Points soon. And um, 
It's going to be on the website, but it's a prayer that David prayed. Search me, O God, and know my heart. And see if there be any hurtful way in me. And lead me to everlasting life. I pray that prayer all the time. I say it's David's prayer. It's Rich's prayer. It can be your prayer too. David wrote it. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Coming from Psalm 139. And uh, and part of my, you'll see this if you look there on the website. I've got it translated from three different Bible translations. And I said, just make this your prayer. Help me to see me for who I am, God. When we do that, there's, there's, that, that's, that's really the message in and of itself. The next thing is I want to show you very brief, and, and, and it's what happens because of all of that. But when we do that, we see and we feel and we experience God's blessing in ways that are just unbelievable. Search me, O oh God. And sometimes, you know, part of this whole deal is how can you deal with people, and I, I, I do this frequently. How do you deal with people who, th- who think they look one way and are one way when the rest of the world is saying, no, man, you're not, don't, don't do that. It's called self-awareness. I don't believe it can happen. I'm serious about this. I don't believe it can happen without God working in a person's life. Because it takes a lot of strength, more than I have. And only God can really give us that ability. Now, I want to show you, real simple, five very quick, easy things. What we learn from these failures and how when we respond the right way and we have this self-awareness, I want to show you some things that happen. And I'm going to go through these pretty quickly. They're, they're, they're very good, and you can look at them. They'll also be on the website. The outline always is on uh, sometime Sunday afternoon. But um, just one of the things that failure does for us, first thing, it deepens your character. It deepens your character. Romans 5 says we can rejoice when we run into problems and trials, for we know they're good for us. It's not always doesn't always feel good. They help us learn to endure, and endurance develops strength of character in us, and character strengthens our confident expectation of salvation, develops character in our lives. James put it this way, Brothers and sisters, whenever trouble comes your way, let it be an opportunity for joy. For when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. Let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be strong in character and ready for anything. The question is, are you going to allow this failure that you caused, that he caused, that somebody else caused, that nobody caused, are you going to allow it to deepen your character? Or are you going to continue to whine and complain and just kind of go further into isolation and hiding and covering up? That's the question. It's a terrible way to live, even though a tremendous amount of people live that way. God has a better way. So failure can deepen our character, number one. Number two, character reveals, I love this part, and deepens our friendships. Now, what you're going to learn in these things, or through these things, is some of the people that you thought were friends aren't, and conversely, some of the people who you didn't know were such great friends really are. It's a great, it's a great lesson. When we went through something like this, Charlene and I, we were just, we were, we were first of all hurt, very hurt, that some, some people in our lives just gone, boom. And if you catch me at the right moment to this day, it will still bring a tear to my eye because I don't understand it. But on the other side of that is, 
I was overwhelmingly blessed, encouraged by people who I didn't know they cared, who came just to try to be an encouragement. I mean, that's, that's the cool thing. The Bible talks about that very, very simply. I'm just going to show you one verse in two different translations. First one comes from the New Living Translation, Proverbs 18. There are friends who destroy each other. We all know some of those, don't we? But a real friend sticks closer than a brother. And then the message puts it this way. Friends come and friends go, but a true friend sticks by you like family. Now, let me help you with this. Take it from a guy who's been through a few things. There aren't many. But thank God for those that are. So, failure. One of the great lessons of failure, it reveals and deepens friendships. That's why so many times I encourage a husband and a wife who are going through some tough times because of whatever. He sinned, she sinned, nobody sinned, children sick, parents, kids, whatever. Say, hang in there. Hang in there. It may be tough right now, but hang in there. Because when you get through this, you'll realize you can cling to each other and cling to God. And it's pretty sweet. It's pretty amazing. That should be one key friend right there, your mate. It reveals and deepens friendships. Number three, this whole lesson of, of, of failure and losing and so forth. It eradicates Phariseeism, or what I call superficial churchiness. Not a term that got kicked out of my computer, so you're not going to see it there. But it's, it, it's superficial churchiness. Don't you just, don't you just kind of hate those people who wear their quote-unquote religion on their sleeve? You know, they always got a trite little phrase for you. They always got a verse for you. Don't you have a phrase? I got a verse for you. I say, ah, yeah, read your own verse. Um, I mean, haven't you ever felt like that? I have a number of times. I've, I've, a couple of times in, in, my, in a good New Jersey moment, I'll say it. But um, you know what I mean by that, New Jersey moment, when you're just painfully blunt, which uh, is one of the great things about living here. Um, it's socially acceptable, you know. Um, can't do that in the South. Can't do that even in Colorado too much. Not in the mountains because people are genteel. But um, let me show you this. this. This is just simply when your religion is simply an external thing. It's just what I do. I go to church on Sunday. Why? Uh, that's what I do. Well, why? Well, it's just what I do. You know? Well, what does it mean to have, you know, to be a Christian or a follower of Christ? I don't know. I just go to church on Sunday. You know? And great, I'm glad they go to church on Sunday. Don't misunderstand. I'm not putting that down at all. I'm glad. I'm glad. I wish more came, particularly to Renaissance Church, in case you didn't know. But um, um, but it's much more than that. And when we go through some nasty stuff, you know, not only do we not only do we just get our character deepened and, and find out who our friends are, but but even that it eradicates it eradicates the stuff that's just external. Look what Jesus said to the Pharisees. I warn you. Unless you obey God better than the teachers of religious law and the Pharisees. These were the, these were the upper crust of, of society, religious people, so to speak. He says, unless you're better than that, you can't enter the kingdom of heaven. Jesus' point was, it better be more than something external because that's not going to work for you. Just saying this or doing this or not doing this or, or whatever. But, and that's why Jesus, I, you know, we, people say we have coined this thing at Renaissance. We talk about authenticity. I really believe that's where Jesus was all about. That's what he was all about, is being authentic. 
Let me know who you are where you are. I mean, because you find over and over again in the gospel accounts of of Jesus walking and and talking and dealing with people in life, how much value he gave to people who were just authentic. Whether it was Nicodemus, who was so, so, so afraid of being found out, he came to Jesus at nighttime to just ask him questions. He didn't want anybody to see him. You know? Maybe we need to have a church late, a church service late at night so people don't want to be seen. Of course, coming into the opera house is kind of safe anymore. Anyway. But um, anyway, um, that's what he's talking about there. Going through failure takes your faith to a different level. It really does. Especially if we respond rightly to God in that. All right, I want to go to number four. Um, and I want to show you this one because when we talk about this whole thing of failure and so forth... A fourth thing that it does. You learn the importance of letting God fight your battles. This is one verse. This is so important. One phrase, really, in one verse that I want you to see. Speaking of Jesus, he never sinned. He never deceived anyone. Can you imagine that? He never. He, he did not retaliate when he was insulted. When he suffered, he did not threaten to get even. Here it is. He left his case in the hands of God who always judges fairly. Let me help you with this. Sometimes there will be no justice on this earth. Sometimes, if it it hasn't happened yet, you need to hear from somebody who loves you. Sometimes you're going to get screwed. Sorry if that offends you, but deal with it. It's life. And sometimes there'll be nobody to kind of right the wrong in life. You know, it just makes your blood boil when you think about it. Some of the things that have happened maybe to you or someone you know and love, somebody betrayed them, somebody lied to them, somebody took off with a company stock, so to speak, and now the stock you paid $50 a Share four is now worth 50 cents. That is not an unusual, too unusual of a thing these days. But sometimes it even goes deeper than that. Personal betrayal. How could he, how could he have done that? How could she have done that to me? Sometimes you've got nothing to do but say, God, I'm leaving you with this. I'm trusting you with it. I can do nothing else. I don't like it. I still don't like it. But I can do nothing else. Jesus, Jesus set the example of that. He left his case in the hands of God who always judges fairly. I love that verse because I've gone there a few times. And just said, okay, God, nothing I can do. Here it is. Last thing, very quickly. When failure happens... You learn a great appreciation of God's story writing abilities in your life. God's story, He's writing a story in your life. There's a verse that maybe some of you have heard a portion of it somewhere. Maybe you haven't. That's fine too. But it goes like this Romans 8. We know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God. Doesn't cause everything. But he causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God, who are called according to his purpose. 
Joseph said this to the people that betrayed him, his own brothers, in Genesis chapter 50. He said, don't be afraid. I'm in God's place. As for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good in order to bring about this present evil. You're going to see that verse the next three weeks because of the theme that I'm just going to, a sub-theme that I'm going to be dealing with a little bit as we lead up to 9-11. I am in God's place. You meant evil against me, but God meant it for good in order to bring about this present result. God can overrule evil intentions. Say, somebody, they really meant to hurt me. doesn't matter. I mean, it matters to them, and they should respond rightly. They should deal with it. But from God's perspective, between you and Him, it doesn't matter. Because God can still use that for positive stuff in your life. And He does. I want to to read a quote to you in just a moment that I've read before. Some of you have seen it before, and you need to see it again. It's one of my favorites. It comes from one of my favorites. Come on up, guys. Um, And then we're going to have a song that kind of goes from that. And um, um, this is a quote that comes from one of my favorite authors, G.K. Chesterton. And, um, uh, well, I mean, if you haven't seen it, maybe you have, maybe you haven't. If you have, I think it will be a good review. If you haven't, it will be good for you to see comes from one of, his, uh, one of his books. Keep in mind, G.K. Chesterton lived in the 1800s. Great man. Um, I, I really especially like him because he, he didn't run track. He, 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 he weighed about 280 pounds or so, so I just kind of have a special love for the man because anybody that I can feel skinny around, I, I like. But, um, but more important, obviously, than that, he was a great man of the faith. He was a playwright. He was a writer. He was a philosopher. I mean, this guy was truly a Renaissance man, no, 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 no pun intended. And look what he wrote here. I want to read this, and then I'm going to pray, and then Steve and the guys got a song that I think will just, it's just incredible. But in order that life should be a story or romance to us, it is necessary for a great part of it, at any rate, should be settled for us without our permission. If we wish life to be a system, this may be a nuisance. But if we wish it to be a drama, it is essential. But we should like it less, still less, if the author came before the curtain every hour or so and forced on us the whole trouble of inventing the next act. A man has control over many things in his life. He has control over enough things to be the hero of a novel. But if he had control over everything, there would be so much hero that there would be no novel. The thing that keeps life romantic and full of fiery possibilities is the existence of these great plain limitations which force all of us to meet the things we do not like or do not expect. Let's pray together. God, we, we, do, we do have that opportunity to face the things that we do not like and often that we do not expect. And we pray, God, that through the power of, that you provide for us through a relationship with Jesus who came and lived and suffered and died and came, rose again from the tomb to give us eternal life and abundant life and, and the kind of strength to overcome even the hardest failures that may come into our lives. We thank you for that power. We pray, Lord, that we would respond to it in a positive and righteous way. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.